Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Hello and welcome to Christian Life Church. Christian Life Church Online, we're glad that you're with us today and uh, we're starting uh, a new series, uh, basically walking through the entire Bible. And we wanna touch on, uh, touch on each book of the Bible in uh, maybe not terribly in depth, but basically to give everyone an opportunity to hear what God has to say from, from the entire, entirety of scriptures. We're really glad you joined with us, and um, I just want to give you a little bit of an update before I go into the message. We have been running a Have a Heart for Missions campaign over the last couple of months, and I want to say that we met our goal and uh, raised all the money that we had set out to do. It was only about $2,600 that we had wanted to raise, and we met that. And here's some good news. Uh, we were able to send our, our portion of a year's support for a missionary couple who just finally got released after waiting for about two years and then this whole uh, COVID thing happened. They finally, uh, this week, landed in their mission field. We're not able to say who they are or where they went because of the, uh, the nature of the mission that they're on but we were able to partner with them. And I wanna thank you for helping to make that happen. That's pretty exciting that in our uh, Have a Heart for Missions uh, emphasis, we were able to help launch a couple into the mission field. And so we thank you for your partnership in that. And so today I want to uh, talk to you. Actually, Scott and I are going to be sharing uh, in tandem from the book of Genesis, and we're going to be looking at the creation story. And this is going to be a little bit different than maybe what we normally would do, but uh, we just want to share with you some thoughts, some perspectives, and talk about the creation story uh, a little bit here. When we, when we think about life, uh, there certainly are Lots of missed opportunities that, that most people experience in life. I remember years ago saying to someone, I mean, you know how it is that every so often you, you get an idea and you think, oh, this would be a great idea. And then people, people are um, like, oh, no, that would never work. And you end up chalking it up to missed, to missed opportunities. I remember one day, this is about... I'm not even gonna say how long ago it was. It was a long time ago. Uh, talking to somebody, I said, you know, I've got a great idea. Wouldn't it be a great idea to have a smoke-free donut shop? Because I got tired of going to donut shops 
and having donuts and bringing them home and they tasted literally like tobacco, like smoke. And I remember this guy saying to me, oh no, that would never work. That would never work. You could never make it in a smoke-free donut shop. Well, I haven't seen a, a donut shop that people smoke in now in a couple of decades. Missed opportunities. So we, we are talking about missed opportunities and we all have ups and downs. We all have miscommunications. We all have relationship blunders. Uh, we have victories and we have failures. We all do. Everybody goes through that. That's just part of life. And yet we're gifted with something that is so incredible and that is new beginnings. We get new days, we get new years, we get new months, we get new opportunities and we, we have the ability oftentimes to learn from our mistakes, to have another chance, to pick ourselves up and to carry on. So we get new beginnings. And today I want to talk to you about the very beginning from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so what we're going to be emphasizing on our, uh, today is this, this short passage of scripture that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we, when we look at this story, we see it moving forward to the story of man, mankind humankind. And we see the relationship that God has with us throughout the whole of scriptures of, of people going away from God, of God bringing them back. And we see it from the very beginning of time. And it all started within the beginning. And the same God that the scripture says created the heavens and the earth ends up touching each of our lives. And oftentimes it is him that we attribute our own new beginnings and fresh starts and new opportunities. And we give him the praise and we give him the glory for all that he creates in our lives. And so, the, the, the whole story of the Bible seems to be wrapped up in God's relationship with us and God reconciling, bringing reconciliation between, between people and between God and really culminates in him sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we can come into a personal relationship with God and know him intimately. And it starts with in the beginning. Well, today we're going to look at in the beginning and how it all started with God and with creation and with us. Now, I want to give you a little bit of, a little bit of context here. 
I grew up in the church. I grew up hearing the, the stories from the Bible and uh, grew up hearing this story of, of God creating the heavens and the earth in, in seven days. And I would say that I, I took it, I believed it, saw it as literal. And so when I sat through my high school classes and listened to you know, theories of evolution, I wasn't terribly rattled by them uh, or particularly challenged by them. It was interesting, but I had a pretty solid foundation of, of really believing that uh, what I believed was the creation story, not the evolution theory. Why are we talking about this today? Well, because we recognize that the conversation is still very much alive. And we recognize that um, even for people who've grown up in the church, as they get exposed to some of the, the teachings on evolution, that it can really uh, wreak havoc uh, on their faith. In fact, uh, one person said that the theory of evolution is, is like acid to the creation story that just erodes uh, everything about the creation story and people's belief in God and even their belief in the existence of God. And so it is a fairly important issue because if you remove God from creation, well, at what point do we introduce God? If he's not there from the beginning, then what point is there to God? And that would be the question that a lot of people would raise. And so I want to talk first of all about the case for evolution. If, as evolution does it, if the origin of life can be explained solely by natural processes, then there is no need for God in the picture. There's no need for God being in the beginning. If it can be explained away as just a natural bunch of things that occurred, that there is this uh, sea of chemicals and out of this sea of chemicals came cells that, that morphed into other stuff. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But, but if, if living organisms can emerge on their own, and over time develop into more complex creatures, then that puts God out of a job. It writes God out of the process of creation. Natural selection as part of the evolution theory uh, would talk about long periods of time when cells would be able to morph into all kinds of creatures, fish, to amphibians, um, amphibians to reptiles, reptiles to birds and, and mammals and humans coming from apes. Now, some believe that there's no conflict in the theory of evolution and Christianity. They can actually find a way to see God in that process. And I'm not debating that one way or the other today. I'm just stating that as a, 
is a fact that there are some who don't have any problem putting the two together. While others believe that evolution is completely true and there's no need for God or any supernatural being or supernatural creation, some believe in evolution completely as, as fact. And that the theory of evolution, if fully embraced, as I said a moment ago, is like an acid that eats away at every argument for belief in God as creator or even at his existence. We also recognize that there are many scientists that have never bought into theories of evolution and find all kinds of arguments against that. I'm not personally going into to that uh, today. Now we're going to be sharing back and forth together. Scott's going to be sharing uh, some information here as well. But I want to talk next about the case for creation. And that is um, God's involvement in creation. God's direction in creation. God, as the scripture says, creating the heavens and the earth. So let's talk about the case for creation. So I just want to talk a little bit about some of the different creation theories. And in, in our context, it's often that we compare the biblical creation story to the theory of evolution. But what we kind of forget is that there's more than that out there about creation theories. For example, in school, I remember in biology class and in science class, the theory of evolution was taught as how things came to be. But we also might have learned about like Roman and Greek or Norse mythology and their creation stories. And we certainly learned about here in Canada about the creation stories of the First Nations. And then maybe you take a world religion class and you get the Islam or Buddhist or maybe Christianity in there. But for the most part in science class, it's evolution. You might briefly mention that like other people believe other things depending on your teacher. But we have largely as a society accepted evolution as the way that things came to be. And during the time that the world around us has been accepting that theory, a lot of Christians have actually been doubling down on this literal seven-day creation story. Because kind of for the first time, there was a, a somewhat reasonable or scientific approach to trying to figure out how the world had been created without a divine creator. And so as kind of a reaction to that, a lot of people began to talk about how the Bible was absolutely right. It was completely without error. And this is literally exactly how it happened. But in a way, that's a, a bit of a new perspective historically. For sure, there was people who would re have read the Bible and said, I see no problem with this. So I, I can accept this as a theory of creation. But if you look at some of the theologians throughout history, we had people like Augustine, who he actually wrestled with a seven-day creation because he couldn't understand why God wouldn't just make everything spontaneously. 
God's certainly powerful enough to, so why would he take seven days? And Augustine gathered that there must be something more to why this story was told this way. Or we have someone like John Wesley, who shortly before Darwin wrote on the origin of species, he had said that the creation stories were written not to gratify our curiosity of the details, but to lead us to God. So throughout church history, there's been a a diversity of opinions and beliefs about why the creation story was written the way it was of six days of creation and then one day of God resting and then the fall of man and all of that. And even within that story, there's there's some things that are, are difficult to sort out. Even between Genesis 1 and 2, it appears that we have slightly differing creation accounts. Or people have often gotten hung up on the word day. And does that mean a literal day, like a 24-hour period? And what we find as we comb through that account found in Genesis 1 is that, well, first of all, first of all the, the sun and the moon weren't even created until the fourth day. So that makes things a little complex that there wasn't even a literal day until the fourth day. But you could say, well, it was a 24-hour period. But what we also find is that that word that was used for day might have a variety of meanings throughout the Bible. Augustine, again, he said, what kind of days these were is extremely difficult or perhaps impossible to determine. There's other instances in the Bible where that, that word day is used to say in the day of. So it's not referring to a specific time, but you might say in the day of the computer that we're in now. And that we know that that doesn't refer to April 1st or something. It, It refers to a longer period of time, less specific period of time. Today, we have lots of differing opinions on what scripture is trying to say through its account of creation. For example, we have the calendar day view, we have the day age view, the literary view, the framework view, the cosmic temple view. And each of these are just trying to bring across a different point about what God was saying to us through that creation account, what the biblical authors were trying to say as well. And we should acknowledge that That story wasn't written with a 21st century worldview in mind. It was written with an ancient people's worldview in mind as they were dealing with ancient religions and ancient contexts. And so we have to take all of this context and all this knowledge as we read this story to actually figure out what is God saying to us through this story. And we also have to recognize that each of these stories is going to have different challenges that are posed. So Pastor Jim has some of the challenges for the theory of evolution. Some of the challenges that that the positions really do present to people as they they talk about it, as they look at it. When we look at the theory of evolution and at the biblical account of creation, we can come up with some questions for sure. For evolution, first of all, if humanity is an outcome of cells morphing into complex creatures and there's no divinity, there's no divinity involved in creation, then 
it comes to the natural conclusion that God doesn't exist. That's one of the problems with the evolution theory that many people run into. And, and that introduces a whole new set of, of conclusions that people end up drawing. First of all, that, that there's, no, there's no God, there's no life beyond the grave. And everything becomes relative at that point. Um, I can make up my own rules because I'm not accountable to God. I don't answer to God. I don't answer to anyone other than myself. I'm my own higher self. It, it brings into question the whole uh, aspect of God being involved in our lives. It brings into question what's the purpose of life? If, if life is, is ending at the grave and I just go to the dust and I, my body decomposes, what's the purpose of it all? Is there any, anything lasting beyond the breath I breathe? The other problem that people end up having when, when they buy into a theory where there's no God is, is there's no moral absolutes. There's no ethical standards and, and, you know, like, quote unquote, my truth becomes all that really matters because there's no truth that I have to recognize as, as being valid. If there's no God, he has nothing to say to me. He has no direction for my life if, if there's no God. If he's written out of the script, it, he just doesn't matter because we assume he doesn't exist. And so those are some of the problems that we end up creating when we buy into the theory of evolution and, and surmise that there is no God. And so on the other side, we have things that conflict with the story of creation. Creationists may be criticized for not effectively offering well articulated alternatives to evolution. Evolution, if you've ever gotten into a debate with somebody who is fully convinced of the theory of evolution, you might find that there's this pressure that can happen in the conversation where it's like, but it's science. Like, how could you not believe in science? And I'm, I'm by no means anti-science. I, I believe that the world of science has brought us tons of important developments and creations. But there's always going to be the question of, could evolution have happened without something to kick off evolution? I know that's something that I just, I struggle with. I struggle to, um, to, to come to terms with that in my mind. We can feel threatened and intimidated by people. But I also think that if, if you're unsure of the theory of evolution and you have been raised to think of a seven-day literal creation or um, it's just a topic that you're really interested in. I know that when I started being interested in this, in this conversation, I, I went out looking for confirmation of my bias. Absolutely. I was looking for creationists to talk to evolutionists and tell them why they were wrong and why the Bible was absolutely... Um, to be taken literally in every line. 
And sometimes we can just resort to well-used cliches in this argument, and we, we kind of just get deeper and deeper into this groove of what we believe. But I, I just wonder if that's maybe not the point of the story. If maybe the point of the creation account in the Bible is not to say this is exactly how God did it, and you can get all of your scientific foundation from this exact account. I think that there's more for us in this story. So what really matters in Genesis chapter one? I think we have to take a long, hard look at this chapter and see that first off, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. So we, we can have confidence in God being the creator. And I don't think that God is so worried about us getting caught up in the details of exactly how he did it. But he wants us to know that it was his idea, it was his inspiration. And then in verse 26, it says, let us make man in our image. In the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he created humankind. And he gave us the ability to think and to reason to have ethics and morality, to have free will and to have choice and also to be a creative being here on earth that was given dominion over the land and the animals and the sky and the sea. We are his image bearers here on earth and we are meant to be in a unique loving relationship with the creator of the universe. And we see that in the first couple chapters that as God has set up the garden, that he has given provision and concern and has a relationship with Adam and Eve. And he has allowed them to choose between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and this tree of life that was in the garden. He has given them free will as they walk in the garden and unfortunately, they break that relationship and sin for the very first time enters the world. And that, that sets up the entire story of the Bible. God is attempting to reconcile humankind to himself in relationship by bringing Jesus to be a sacrifice for all all of creation. We talked about this last weekend on Easter where we celebrate the day that Jesus resurrected. Jesus came to live as a man in a sinful world, but to be one without sin and to lay his life down to cover the debt of our sin. And when he rose again, he actually, he changed the whole order of things so that we no longer had to put things to death to cover for our sin, but we just simply had to believe in Jesus who came and died. And through him, we experience salvation. We know that he's coming again and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to go back to God's original intention for creation. 
and everything is going to be working in harmony. And because sin entered the world and it messed up so much of our world, we're going to see the ideal world that we all wish for. And we look for it in different places. But we know through this story of creation that the only way that we can experience that good and perfect world that is whole, where we are living in complete unity and relationship with God, is through his son, Jesus Christ. So as you read this story, I would encourage you not to come at it looking for confirmation of your bias or trying to pick it apart either way, whatever side you're on. But I would encourage you to read it and looking for what God is actually saying through the scripture. What, what he is setting up for the whole story of the Bible in these few chapters to say to us about what he has created. And it's my hope and prayer that that ultimately leads you to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you that you are a good and loving and perfect father, that you are a good and loving, perfect creator. And we thank you that when, when we saw this world become tainted by sin, Lord, that it, it was never going to stay that way, and Lord, that you put a plan into motion to bring us back to you and to make things right once again. And I pray for each and every person watching, Lord, if they are feeling far from you and they want to be able to enter into this story and to accept what Jesus has done, Lord, that you would be convicting them right now and that you would be showing them your truth and your love. In your name we pray. Amen.